Hello, welcome to Black Men Speak, a podcast that highlights ordinary black men doing extraordinary things. I am your host, Keith Dent, and we are listening to a special edition of our podcast titled Finding True Freedom in San Quentin. We're examining the life of Jarvis J. Masters, who was sent to prison in 1981 for armed robbery. Four years later, he was convicted of conspiracy of murder of a prison guard and sentenced to death in 1990. He was falsely accused of these crimes, yet he still remains in prison and has been there for over 41 years. In part two, we will discuss about his time in the foster care system and his life on the run, which was the catalyst to him being where he is today. A lot of Jarvis's life on the run began as a victim of the foster care system. According to a website, the Policy Circle, did you know over 400,000 children are in the foster care system on any given day? Since the majority of kids suffer from traumatic stress disorders, it can lead to an increased risk of disrupted foster care placements and poor continuity in health and mental care, thus compounding the loss and trauma. One thing to note is Black and American Indian children are overrepresented in the foster care system. Jarvis and I talked about this and how it led to that fateful day in 1981. At 19 years old, he heard the doors of the San Quentin prison close behind him. It was hard for him to imagine that in exchange for the armed robbery he had committed, this tiny cement cell would be his home for the next two decades. But that was the card he felt he dealt himself. The next voices you will hear will be part two of my discussion with Jarvis J. Masters. So, um, let's, let's jump ahead to the, which really kind of, really stuck with me was your time at the Valley Boys Academy. Um, where they really did some horrific things uh, there. So I, one of the questions that I had was, because I, w- I wasn't sure, but were the counselors uh, African-American Amer- African or of color? No, they were all white. Okay. And All of them. All of them, okay. And... Why? Well, then my question is, why? Why do they? Why do they feel they could? They could treat you the way they did. Well, you know, the system was real loose at that time. They didn't handle mm-hmm. serious, serious issues with putting people in foster care. You know, and a lot of times we were the fault of foster care. It was because we were doing something that foster care wasn't working. Not the foster parents in the system. And when you create a system where, you know, um, there's so much trauma in our, you know, it, it, you know, in kids' life, and you put blame to them as if, you know, they are, um, they are, you know, they, they just are creating problems for your own lifestyle, whatever it is. So these guys would work five days a week, no, four days a week, and they stay there and they'd be off three days. So they actually live in this place. Um, 
And I just felt like, you know, I felt, even at that age, that they just had permission to do this, you know. Nobody was saying this was wrong. Uh, I knew it was because I knew right from wrong. Um, and it just seemed like he, they, they, they believed they had permission to do it, you know. Um, and we weren't, we weren't believed. You know, no no one that I was in that place were believed. No, none of us felt like we were being believed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was an incident where I, one of the young men had gotten hurt. Uh, and it was, um, and you were the one that found him. And so how did, how did it how did it feel, I mean, while you were there, um, being the only one that kind of knew what had happened to him, to him, did you feel, like, isolated, or did you feel like you had to keep your head, you know, on a swivel just in case something might happen to you in that instance before, you know, before the actual authorities came in to, to investigate? No, man, um... I knew I was going to run away when I seen that, you know, I was gone, you know, mm. um, and we're talking about the scene where the guy, I think actually died. Um, uh, and they made me use that mop bucket to put up, put all yeah. the blood, uh, you know, in the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, I mean, that was something there. Um, yeah. You know, to answer your question, I, I was going to escape. I was getting ready to run away. I was running from that. There was no mm. way in the world I was going to stay there. Um, no, that was not going to happen. Okay. And so, how many times do you actually, because I know you you would run away and you you would go back, not necessarily go back, but you would get caught. So actually, how many times, if you can remember, did you actually, um, run away from either foster care or or the boys' homes? during your, you know, during that time? Uh, whenever I had a chance, you know, at some point running away was my own sense of freedom. Mm. And I always ran out of the different situations that I was in uh, into that freedom. So I would catch the Greyhound bus or sneak on the Greyhound bus and just ride that sucker back and forth, up and down the state, you know. Um, And it was my freedom. It was my way of taking care of myself, you know. Um, And that was a a good thing for me, I felt, because I wasn't being hit. I was being beat. I was, you know, I was like, I felt responsible. It's the same kind of responsibility that I felt I had when I was a lot younger, living in that abandoned, living in that home with uh, my siblings, and we were abandoned there. Um, yeah, so I really, really felt like it was a sense of freedom for me to be able to hop and jump on buses and go back and forth and sleep in terminals, and you know, just no one, no one sees me. I see no one, you know. So that's what it felt like. Okay, and 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 then so so then ultimately you started to get more into a life of 
Prime, as you said, you had robbed the gas station and then um, led to some other things. And so why, um, because you, you were free, you know, on the bus and then doing that, you know, traveling, what, what ultimately led you to get to the point where you did started doing criminal type things? You could have kept running, you know, all all over the U.S. if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, I could. Um, the criminal aspect was just hanging out with the wrong people. The same thing we see today, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hanging out with the wrong people. I loved those people, mm-hmm. you know, that was getting me in trouble. Um, because there was, you know, just something about being looked at as being grown. And that felt something to me. Felt like I was older than I was because I've been through so much at that time. I was, yeah, by that time I was 13, 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was just hanging out with the wrong people. It's what we did in the community. We, you know, it was just that, you know, and it elevated itself. And same guys you hung out with when you were 13, you, you see them coming out of, juvenile system at 17, you know, it was just what we did, man, you know, and um, it was it was really, really bad, you know, I'm thinking about all the stuff, and I, I was not a nice person, you know, at, when I was a teenager, um, and I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was nice because there was a lot of hurt inside, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, I didn't. I didn't trust no one to uh, to share that with, you know. And not in detail, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me, can you I, know. let me just say this though. Let me just speak on this for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was going through, the, you know, the same question you just asked about crime, and when I get into it and all that, you know, this is this is something that. You know, I see every day, I read every day about, you know, young people getting into all these things, you know, and and I, I actually feel like I know what they're thinking. Um, you know, obviously they're thinking they're not going to get caught. But beyond that, I really believe that they're trying to make disruption, you know, create disruption in their own inner circle. Um and whoever makes it the worst, you know, stands out the worst, stands out the best. Um, so I really, I really, really believe that um, it was just part of growing up, you know, that you break into a car, you steal something out of school, or, you know, it was just, you know, what we did. You know, I, I don't really believe that we did it to make a lot of money from, but we just did it as kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can under I can understand that, especially um, with the fact that I've worked with runaway and homeless teens, and they almost always have done something to get the attention of someone. Absolutely. Uh, whether it be fighting or carrying a taser, it was a way to. Let the let someone know that they were in some sort of distressed situation. Right, right, and that's what that bird has my wings speak to. 
you know, where do we feel safe at? And how do we how do we get out of the the turmoil that um we find ourselves in? And trusting people is one of the biggest things that you really, really have to work on. And I say that even now today, you know, um, trusting people is really, really hard for me. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I when I do trust them, it, I get this sense of, you know, you got to trust somebody, so you might as well trust these people, you know. Um, or you might as well trust yourself to do this. Or, you know, just things like that. And and this just brings up a fascinating question. So with the, all the disruption, was there an individual um, that had asked you why you did these things? Say that again? So was anyone, did anyone ask you why are you causing this disruption? Like as a, as a way to reach out? Oh, you know, no, no. <laughs> You no, know, what they would do is they give you a whole lot of psychological testing, you know, like, uh-huh. uh, what does this look like, uh, you know, oh. uh-huh. that kind of stuff, because they always thought there was an issue with who you were, you know, a mental issue, um, so they never went where you, where, where I think you're going in terms of um, helping people and knowing that you can trust someone there and being able to communicate what's what's going on in your life and what what comes up for you. We didn't have mm. that. We didn't have that. Mm. We, you know, you get into fights and the first thing they want to do is test you and see if there's something, you know, wrong. Um, and we will run out of those places being tested. You know, we would write stupid things and, you know, um, but you're, you're totally right. You're totally right in that um, we, when you when you when you when you start running away, you're definitely trying to make some noise that people can hear you with. You know. Let's go back. I guess now what you said 41 years ago, and you enter uh, Sam Quentin. Kind of describe that. What what did you feel? What was the uh, isolation like when you entered? You have sixty seconds remaining. The prison only to not you know not to not realizing that you wouldn't leave. That ends part two of my talk with Jarvis J. Masters. You may be wondering what appeals has Jarvis pursued to date, and what was the outcome. Jarvis has appealed his conviction and sentence multiple times. His state habeas corpus appeal took 14 years to be heard by the California Supreme Court. In 2011, a special referee appointed by the California Supreme Court acknowledged that false testimony was likely presented at Jarvis' original trial. Yet, the judge dismissed the witness recantations, arguing they lacked credibility. Ironically, these witnesses were deemed credible enough for the trial court to sentence Jarvis to death in 1990, but not enough to exonerate him during his habeas appeal to the California Supreme Court. The court ultimately denied Jarvis' appeals in 2019, despite new evidence 
that put the original verdict in question. And that's why you need to read up, speak out, share Jarvis's story, stay informed, join us. And you can do that by going to the website, www.freejarvis.org backslash take action. This is Keith Dent from the Black Men Speak podcast. See you next week.